So I barely escaped a four-car pileup this week. It was on Wednesday, and the pavement was gushing with water, and the visibility was zero, actually. It was on Peach Street. Well, actually, it wasn't on Peach Street. Actually, it wasn't on a street. I was in Delta Sonic Car Wash. Going through, and evidently the lady two cars ahead for some reason put on her brakes. The lady in front of me slammed into her as that track took her forward. I was in the middle of all the sudsy stuff, so I couldn't see anything except these bright red lights come on, so I figured it must be somebody stopped, so I slammed on my brakes. Just barely missing her bumper and holding back. And there's no place to go because you know you're on a rail. You can't go anywhere. And they've got these rollers pushing. So I stood on my brakes and slammed them on as I was going one mile per hour. (laughs) And finally, those rollers went underneath my tires. And I looked back, and here comes the other car. And just in time, the lady in front of me took off. and, And I made it through unscathed. The two ladies were out getting their insurance cards out and calling Delta Sonic a few names. And it was just this incredibly helpless feeling. It, it, it was this sense of, of, I couldn't stop. There was absolutely nothing. I could ever have that helpless feeling. You just can't stop. That's how I felt. It's a lot like some folks were feeling when they wrote on here. As I read it, I see the words anger, Absence of faith, lack of love for my family, my older brother's doing drugs, fatness, bitterness, sexual abuse, stress, worry, phobias, cutting, pornography, body image, broken heart. I read on here earlier, one put, being called ugly and useless. And you say, but wait, 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 wait. That, that thing, that whole structure you've got here, that represents God building his church. What's that stuff doing on there? See, we've been taking our time looking at a letter that was written in the first century by Paul the Apostle to his friends in Ephesus. And the section we're looking at talks about how Jesus Christ is building his community of faith. See, the way the community of faith is supposed to function is that the way that that as it functions and operates, people would look at it and go, oh, I get it, God loves us. So we began, because when you construct, you begin with the foundation. You have to have a good foundation. And we talked about the fact that that is unity, that the way we treat each other communicates to those watching how much God loves them. Then last week, we, we started putting the, the, the framework on, and the framework we said was, was understanding real truth and living it out. Now, you, you would think that when God builds something, that it would be pretty well spotless. It wouldn't be messy. But I want to tell you that in any construction project, and even God's, things get messy. And, and here it is. Things, things, things just don't come together the way that we think they should be. So this morning, we've already told you that many of our youth, somewhere between 40 and 50 plus around 10 to 15 adults, took off for a, a weekend retreat, and they'll be coming in about the time we're letting out of here this morning. 
And for the last four weeks, they have been studying this topic called light. What happens when Jesus puts a light on the deep parts of our heart, when he sees the habits and the junk that seem to control us? So they've talked about, in the last four weeks, abuse sexually and emotionally, They've talked about verbal abuse and physical abuse. They've talked about cutting. They've talked about about suicide. They've talked about phobias, fears. And during during the worship time, the first couple of weeks, they had this this cube built on stage, and I think we have a picture of it. And they could go inside the cube back behind, and there on a canvas they could write down the stuff. Stuff that controls them, the stuff that tears at them, and and this is just one piece of the canvas right here. They wrote their pain. Nobody else could see it, but they wrote their pain. God could see it, and we've attached it today to the framework of this community of faith because that's where it belongs. Because when you are when you are part of this community of faith and God's building it, it gets messy. Just take a moment, and I just want you to, to look at the people around you. Just look at them. Go ahead. They don't mind. Just look, smile at them. Tell them that they're the most beautiful pe- person you've ever met. Just tell them. Go ahead. All right. See, see the, the bottom line is this, that the odds are that somebody you just looked at has a secret, that there is some kind of addiction or, or nastiness inside of them that they would never, ever want you to know. Because if you're part of the community of faith, it just gets messy. So what do we do? How how do we get off this track where there's some kind of influence in our life that just keeps moving us towards this this ultimate collision with, with pain, with misery, with disappointment? In Delta Sonic car wash, they're supposed to be the sensor that if a car stops like that, then the whole track shuts down. It didn't work. But I, I want to tell you this morning, and it is my goal to bring you to a place that you understand that you do not have to inevitably have that collision because there is a way to stop and get off that track. And that's where Paul takes us in his letter to express that to us. And he starts with Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 17th verse, and he says, So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So I want to make this clear from the very beginning, so just stop a moment and and quit texting and listen to me a moment. If you have investigated Jesus and you with all wisdom that you can garner and understanding said, I do believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he came to this earth and that he actually took our sins on himself, died and rose again and lives forever, is coming back to be, to be with us because we're on this wonderful journey with him. If you have come to that conclusion, then please understand that you didn't have a life and then take Jesus and add him to your life. You didn't do that. When you do that, you get a brand new life. It's not your old world plus Jesus. It is a brand new world you live in. And you've got to grasp that. 
and hang on to it. With that in mind, then the first thing that Paul tells us is, I need for you to understand you must evacuate the old world. See, Paul made it clear to the Jews already. He said, you've got to let go of the grave clothes of your legalism and your sacrificial system because it's not getting you anywhere. Jesus took care of that. And to those who are not Jews, the Gentiles, which would be a lot of us in this place, he says this, I want you to not fall back into your self-indulgent habits because that stuff, he said, is futile. Literally, good-for-nothing notions. It's not going to get you anywhere. There was a very affluent family in Erie going through a very public divorce a few years ago. You may remember this. And so as they got into the divorce, and it was ugly, it was messy, um, and what really made it ugly was that they were talking about assets. And so uh, the lady had sported a beautiful diamond ring for a lot of years. She took great pride in that diamond ring, but she brought it in for an appraisal. And when she brought it in for the appraisal, she found out that the diamond was a fake. It was a cubic zirconium. She was not happy. It was a good-for-nothing piece of junk in her mind. How do we take our choices, our relationships, our life track, our business track, our education track, how do we take that and study it in such a way that by the time we get to the end of all of that, we don't realize that it was fake? that it promised some value, but the time we got done, there was no value to that. What we've got to do is not be mindless about this. In fact, we've got to do the opposite. We have got to become very deep thinkers. We have got to take those relationships and those life choices and those tracks that we're on, and we've got to appraise them. We've got to put them under a magnifying system that says to us, this is not some kind of of a quick fix or superficial change, but this thing is for real. It's got depth. Thursday, I was driving behind a car. It had a bumper sticker on it. It said something like this. The best I can remember, it said, five days of the week, my body is a temple. The other two days, it's an amusement park. And Paul the Apostle says, wait, 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 wait. A lot of you think that, but you can't do that. It is completely impossible for you to live by that philosophy because you can't mix them because you'll end up finding out there's no value, that it's futile because of this reason. The old world starts with a calloused heart. He said, you've got hardening of the heart. It's the core issue. That word, hardening, does mean calloused. It means calcification. It actually means where two bones have been broken that come back together again, and that which mends them together is harder than the bone. He said, that's what's happened to your heart. And in this context, what it means is this, that you have continuously rejected the very loving invitation to connect with God. You've continually pushed it aside, creating this callousness. In fact, Paul already called it what it is. Earlier in the letter, he said this in Ephesians 2, verse 3. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. 
He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all of this on his own with no help from us. See, the difficult part on all of this is that I have got to come to the conclusion that I'm in agreement with that. I've got to say, I've done that. That is my very nature, to want to push God aside. That's just that's what I do. It's been part of my life. And Paul says that the, the, the problem with that, when you have that tendency to do that, it can be mirrored, it actually can be mirrored in, in the way that, that God dealt with Pharaoh when Egypt was captive there. If you'll read through, you'll find there's places where it said Pharaoh, when God said, I need you to do this, Pharaoh said, no, and it said he hardened his heart. He calloused his heart. And it says not only did he callous it, but God then applied even more, and God hardened his heart. When I say to God, leave me alone, when I say that, there is part of my sensitivity to God that begins to harden. It makes it easier for me to say it to him next time, leave me alone, and eventually I will get what I wanted. He will leave me alone. And the danger is that I'm just not that smart to figure out life, and so I put myself in destructive patterns because I said, I don't need you. Somebody sent me this picture this week on the Internet. I just think it's great. Let's take a peek at it. Never mind why, go get mom's. Can you tell? This kid's hanging from a drawer. And see, the truth of the matter is this, that his mama has probably told him time and time again, don't get on that cover, don't do that, don't do that, and he has just shut it out. So now there he is. And I think it's amazing to me that mom took enough time to take the picture. Confession time. Even in my walk and journey with Jesus and being part of the community of faith, there have been times that God has spoken to me and said, Jack, I'm helping you. Do this. Go this way. Don't go that way. And I have said, I can do this. And I pushed him aside and eventually found myself with my own destructive pattern. Now, out of his grace and mercy, when I finally are hanging there and I cry, Oh, Father, help me, he comes. He may take a picture first, but he comes. He's there. How does that happen? Because here's the the progression. The old starts with a calloused heart, and it progresses to dark ignorance. I saw Glenn one day, and he had a band-aid or a bandage on his head. He had stitches right in the middle of his head. I said, Glenn, what, what happened to you? He said, man, I got up in the middle of the night and it was dark and I just forgot where I was and I walked right into the corner of a wall and just split my head right open. Now, the truth is this. The truth of, of the obstacle was there in front of him and the truth of the open doorway was in front of him, but it was so dark he couldn't see it. Now, follow me. When I continually resist God, I become hardened in my heart and And Paul says when that happens, the light starts getting less and less and it gets dark so that there may be truthful opportunities going my way that I should take advantage of, but I miss them because I can't see them. And there may be destructive things in my path and I run into them because I couldn't see them. 
I become ignorant. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians 5, 8, and 9. Later in the letter, he says, you groped your way through that murk once. That's me. But no longer, you're out in the open now. Why? Because the bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. He said, before you, you really put your trust in Jesus to help you through, man, it was murky and it was dark and you stumbled around. But when Jesus showed up and you walk with him, you could see the opportunities and you took hold of the opportunities. This morning earlier, I said, God wants to love you and bless you. And, and, and there's opportunities, but you've got to be looking for them. And he gives you the light to do that. And if I don't, then, then there's the destructive things that can take place. See, ignorance is not evil, but it's predictable when you start to harden your heart. Because what happens then, it begins to obscure meaning. Twenty years ago, I was supposed to go with about three or four guys, and we were going to backpack through China. And just before they were, we were ready to leave, a crisis happened where I was, and I had to stay. So these guys went. They came back. I sat down with them. I said, man, tell me about it. And they had all these great stories. And I said, what was the most amazing thing? And they said, well, we met this guy who had spent 20 years in a Chinese prison because of his faith in Jesus. He had just been released. He said, so we sat down with him and said, and talked with him. And then we asked him this question, what was your greatest fear while you were in prison? I mean, what would you think? Torture, death, family, being harassed while he's gone? Because it'll get you down to the core. And here's what he said. My greatest fear was that I would embarrass Jesus. Because in that moment, in that place, in that confinement, he discovered what had value. He appraised his life and said, the only thing that will not change, the only thing that I can count on is Jesus. Therefore, I want to make sure I stay in connection with him. That's why Paul, writing to his friends in Colossae, wrote these words, for everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. We sang it this morning, Jesus be the center of it all. Because that's exactly how life is. So in my hardened heart, I miss, I am separated, Paul said, from the life of God, that, that, whole, that whole value. Now, when that happens, now follow the progression here. I've hardened my heart because I refuse. It gets dark. I miss the meaning. And when I start missing meaning and I can't figure out the life of God, I need to find something that gives me some kind of life. And so I start to substitute. And Paul says what happens is this, it produces sensuality. It produces sensuality. You ever been asleep and you wake up in the middle of the night and, and you've been laying weird on your hand and your hand's asleep? You ever done that? And it just kind of like this, you just, you got no control and, and you know it's your hand because it's connected, but it doesn't feel like your hand. I mean, you, you can bite your hand and you don't feel a thing. I've done it. I don't, I don't. It's mine. But when the lifeblood comes back in, oh, you feel, you feel the tingle, and if you did bite your hand, you feel the, pi- the pain of the bite. Paul says the heart gets hardened. In fact, listen to what he says, Ephesians 4, 19. Having lost all sensitivity 
They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. What he said? He said, you've lost sensitivity. Your, your heart has gone numb. And because your heart is numb, you can't feel God. And if you can't feel God, you can't feel life, so that you're going to try to figure out some way to feel life. So he says what you do is you go find something else. For some of you, it may be multiple sexual partners, because at least in those moments, in those evenings, I can, I can feel some life. Even if it's just a little bit of life, I can feel life. It might be, it might be some kind of, of drug that you take. Okay, I feel a little bit of life. It may be your pursuit of an educational goal. Okay, I feel life because I'm learning. It could be you're, you're addicted to a sports team. When the Steelers win, I feel life. When they lose right now, you don't feel any life. But it's, it's just a complete substitute. And he says, what happens is you keep trying for more. He says, I, I got to do this. And he says, you'll end up in what God calls impure. And impurity is simply this, that which keeps you from pursuing, pursuing Jesus and becomes very destructive in your life. That's why Paul called it walking as a Gentile's walk. He said it's futile. See, all of us could write on this wall because we got the stuff. And Paul says, stop it. There is a way off the track. There is an escape from futility. You need to evacuate the old life. Now, as you evacuate the old life, he says this. Now put on your new clothes. I like my old clothes. I got this one shirt I just love. I wear it when I mow the yard and I wear it when I'm washing the car because I don't trust Delta Sonic anymore. <laughs> I, just, I just like my old shirt. You got to get an old shirt and old shoes and, and guys, you have to hide it from your wife because she'll get rid of it because it's just, just a wonderful. Our son, Dustin, is a minimalist. He really is. He doesn't like to buy much. He doesn't want to have much. And it shows in the way he dresses at times. And so he's got this old pair of pants that he's been wearing, a head worn, and, and, and they were old and they're kind of ratty looking and he just thinks they're great and they have ink stains on them and it just, it's just, it, it, it makes Pam mad. And so he, Dustin was home for a while this last year and, and so Pam went out and bought him some new pants and said, here, and, but he wouldn't wear them. Uh, I don't need no new pants. You, you, do, you just wear these. No girl's going to love you in those pants. You need, you need better pants. He wouldn't wear them. So it was laundry day, and Pam did laundry, and Dustin comes walking and says, where's my pants? And Pam finally had to say, I threw them out. Well, you would have thought that the world had collapsed. So now he wears better pants. So here's the deal. New world means new clothes, but... You are the only one who could throw out the old ones. No one else can do it for you. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians 4.22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in the true righteousness, in true righteousness and holiness. So, so here's the question. This is really the question. How do you get rid of the old self, the old clothes? How do you, what do you know how to get rid of? What do you do? You take all the stuff you are and you get it appraised. You put it with Jesus and say, does this have value? And whatever doesn't have value, 
you take off. And it's a process, but God is patient with the process. So I think of Lauren Winner, who is, who is a professor and an author and a follower of Jesus. And she, she, was follow, she, she wasn't following Jesus, and then she discovered who Jesus was. She studied and said, I'm going to put my faith in him. And so immediately she knew there were some things she had to take off, and so she took them off. And she thought, good, I'm done. Well, the reality of the fact is this, that she was still sleeping with guys. And so some friends got with her and said, hey, hey, Lauren, here's what Jesus said about that. And she says, oh, I can't do that. No, you really can't. And see, Jesus had been patient. So she said, I, I can't do that. So she quit doing it. Why? Because she said, I want to get closer to Jesus because I'm fascinated with who he is. And she said, also, I want to clean up the mess. You see, it may be messy as we are growing as a community of faith, but Jesus never said you can keep the mess. Let me tell you why. There's a scripture that says, John, follower of Jesus, said this, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, as as, as Jesus is in the light, you have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus continues to cleanse you from every sin. Simply meaning this, that as I'm walking with Jesus, Let me put it this way. Where in this building is the light? Where? Where's the light? So you're pointing to the source of the light, but all over the place is the light. And so we're finding Jesus is the light, and and, but our goal is to get closer to the source of the light, and this is what happens. As I start with Jesus, I may be somewhat in the shadows as I'm trying to discover who he is, but as I move closer to him, the light gets brighter. And as it does, suddenly I start to see stains that I didn't see before. That's kind of messy, isn't it? Yeah, it's messy. You got you to clean that up. You got to take those off. And so I said, okay. And then Jesus said, hey, that's great. Move closer. And as I move closer, the light's brighter. I go, oh, 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 what? I, I'm still messy. And I continue that process. Now, here's the problem. If I get to a spot where God says, here, here's a mess right here. You got to clean up. And I say, nah. If Lauren would have said, still sleeping with guys. What happens is the beginning of the hardening of the heart process. And we begin to lose our sensitivity with God. In addition to that, messiness in our lives is not static. It's not, I just got this amount of messiness and that's all I'll ever have. The truth of the matter is that... that that Paul said what's going to take place is that 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 kind of life is corrupted, meaning this, that if I let this messiness stay, because up to this point, the blood of Jesus Christ has covered it. Now that it's uncovered, and I know it's there, there is this open invitation that if I don't clean it up, it attracts more messiness. It becomes corrupted. So it's not just this issue, but suddenly I'm dealing with other issues that are messing up my life. So Paul says, you you can't live in that messiness. You've got to, when it's there, confess it and begin to live the new world that you live in. Live that life. Put that on. That's why the the, the, the lady with the bumper sticker I saw who said five days temple and two days is an amusement park, you can't do that because the amusement park, according to the dynamic in the world today, will overtake the temple. There's got to be an effort to get rid of that which does not amuse God. So you're taking that off. What has to happen? Well, at the same time, you have to put on new attitudes, emotions, 
and practices. You got to put that stuff on. Now, here's the problem. When I'm trying to get rid of something messy in my life, it's really difficult for me to just stay focused there and say, okay, I'm going to get rid of this thing. 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 Because what am I thinking about? That thing, that thing, that thing. I mean, you go on a diet and say, I will not eat a jelly donut. See what happens. You'll say, God, if you want me to stop over at at, at Dunkin' Donuts and help me find a parking place, and it took me five times, but I found one. See, we'll do that. So if, if I'm a guy who, who has sexual fantasies, if I'm a guy who's caught in porno, if I objectify women, I can't just say, oh, God, help me not to get in porno. Oh, God, help me not to objectify women. Oh, Lord, help me not to think of oh, those people as sexual objects. Oh, Lord, don't, no, God, oh, God, oh, God, don't let that program come on HBO. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You're not going to make it. See, not only do you take off, but you have to put on. So what I need to be thinking if I'm married is, How can I romance Pam? How can I serve Pam? How can I draw closer to Pam? How can I spend more time thinking about Pam? If I'm single, when I'm thinking according to Paul the Apostle, he said, as long as you're not married, then you have this wonderful opportunity to serve Jesus. So I need to be thinking, Jesus, what would you like me to do to serve you? What is that thing you'd like me to do? And secondly, Lord, how can I protect the sisters in the body? How can, I, how can I keep them protected and care for them and help nurture their lives and not think about them that way? The other way, I will do this because this is the way the new world thinks that I belong to. That's called pursuing holiness. That's what he said. Uh, you'll pursue holiness. Holiness is simply this, seeing life the way Jesus sees it. That's holiness. And righteousness is living out what you saw. So I'm seeing what Jesus sees, and I'm going to live that out. How do we do that? It boils down to this, according to Paul. It's what we think. That's tough. I've got to think, all right, new, I'm going to be new. How, how do I do that? I've never, I've never lived this life. He's got this brand new life. How do I live this life? Well, it's like you're telling me to go cook an omelet. I've, I, I hadn't cooked an omelet. And some of you say, oh, it's so easy to cook an omelet. Well, because you've done it. But I, up until a couple weeks ago, I had never cooked an omelet. I am 57. See what I've missed? So, so a couple Mondays ago, Pam said, hey, will you go make breakfast? I said, well, what do we got? And she said, well, we got eggs. I thought, okay, we got eggs. What do I going to do with eggs? I could scramble them. But So I Googled omelet. I got instructions how to cook an omelet. I am really good at cooking an omelet. I put some Italian sausage in it and some peppers and some cheese. Pam, was it good? Where's Pam go? Was it good? You better say that. So <laughs> the, the next Monday, she, she said, I like this tradition. What tradition? I did it one day. <laughs> it's not a tradition. So I cooked another omelet. I Googled it the first time. I found the instructions, and there it was. I did it. So how do you live a new life? Google it. And you start at verse 24. Ephesians 4.24 says this, And to put on the new self, now look at this word, created to be like God unto righteousness and holiness. Who created the life? God already made it. 
When he says, pursue holiness, your holiness has already been created. When he said, live in righteousness, your righteousness has already been created. The new attitude has already been created. The new practice has already been created. The new emotions already been created. And God said, I've already made this for you. You don't have to try to create it yourself. It's done. Read the instructions. Just put it on. That's why Paul would write earlier in his letter in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So how, how do I do this? Change the way you think. Think new. Fill your minds continually about the reality of what life is like when Jesus is the center of it all. When it all lines up to Jesus, the way that Jesus said life will be when he is Lord over everything and people all bow to him and confess that he is Lord. Think of that thing. And how do you do that? You take the instructions, you Google it in the scriptures, and you look it up and say, okay, I've got hatred. What does it say I should do about hatred? Oh, that's what I do. Oh, okay, so I should do that to make a loving life. What what do I do about my really bad thoughts? Okay, here's what it says about the bad thoughts. What do I do about unforgiveness? Oh, here's what I do about unforgiveness. And you Google it. And you figure it out, and you begin to apply it. And as you do, he says, okay, I've got the emotions. Here they come. I've got the, the right actions. Here they come. You put them on yourself, but you've got to continually think over and over again. You've got to think new. Guys, you remember when you first got married and you'd been living by yourself all this time and now you've got somebody else in the house? You got to think the way, change the way you think. And I got news for you. You're never going to quite figure it all out. It ain't going to happen with that situation. But I won't get into that. So you begin to think different. Okay, here's how life is changing. So I've got to act this way. You've got, the word is called meditation. It actually is the word chew the cud. You just continually chew over what is the new life, how, does, how should I be, and you continue to ingest that in your life, and your mind will begin to change. So you know what the students did about this? This is the only panel they kept this way. The rest of the panels, they whitewashed them. It was their way of saying, old life, not going there. And starting last week, now they're coming up where the, where the old panel's been whitewashed and they're writing the Holy Scriptures and what the Scriptures say about the issue they've dealt with and how their new life should look so that every day their mind is made new. We've got to do the same. So here's, here's some good news. Jesus is not mad at us for the mess He's actually exuberant over where we're headed and what he's doing with us on this journey. And the good news is he's so excited because he made us new clothes. And we get to wear them. And this is what makes everything so significant. For earlier in that letter, he says this, Paul does, Ephesians 4.20. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. That part of the scripture that said you heard of him, it's not actually an accurate translation. The word actually is you heard him. He spoke to you. The other reason you're even investigating Jesus or you're following Jesus is because he spoke to you. I mean, he's God. You that, that I mean, we're mortals, you mortals can't go find God. God comes to mortals. 
and he came and he spoke to you. Jesus has spoken to you because he's changing you and he just loves the process with you. I appreciate what John Piper said about this and and here's a quote from him. Before you can escape from all the hardness and darkness and futility of the old life, you have to hear the voice of Jesus and in response to his voice, enter his school to be taught by him as a trusted master. His voice, now catch this, his voice is power that breaks through all the hardness and the darkness and the ignorance and wakens you from the hopelessness of death. And faith responds like that gathering demoniac suddenly saved from the futility of insanity and self-destruction and says, Lord, oh, let me be with you. And how do we get off the track? How do we get this whitewashed? How do we get this changed? The first step is this. Always, always, always move toward Jesus. And as you do, he will speak to you in that voice will break in and set you free. I promise you. The scripture says that even now he's singing over us. And I want you to listen very carefully now because these could be his very words to us this morning.
to take you in in your messiness and loves us enough to clean us up. And so I, I can't let you go this morning without giving you opportunity to start that journey with him. To clean up the stuff that came from the hardness of heart and the ignorance and then not knowing what matters in life. We've all done that and Some are still in that process, and all of us are in probably some degree of that in some respect in our lives, and we're all on this journey together. But he said, I I begin the process by just telling you that if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all impurity. Just wipes it out. Just cleans it, whitewashes it, and you begin the new journey. We figure out what life should really be like, the way that it'll eventually be, but you can have it now. So what I want to do in just a moment is I'm going to have you stand and don't want anybody to leave quite yet because I don't want you to distract the people around you. And then I'm going to just ask you to turn to the person next to you and just say, would you like to come to Jesus? And if that's you, that's your moment to say, I'm going to, I'm going to take a movement of faith. And I'm going to, and as you, just so you're going to say, yes, I do. And that person's going to say, well, okay. And then together, you and the person who asked are going to come and just stand here. We're going to have a prayer together. I'm not going to single you out, not going to embarrass you. But it's a step of faith. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, the day will come that I'll stand before my father and, and I'll say to my father, this one right here, this one was really proud of their faith in me. And so, Father, they belong here. And he'll say, but this one over here didn't, didn't really believe in me or they, 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 they were ashamed of me. And so, Father, they, they can't come in. And so these, these steps of faith are just a way of saying, Jesus, I want what you've got and I... And I I'm just so proud of what you've done for me. So whether you're in the balcony, in the galleries, main floor, even out in the lobby, just a moment, I want you to stand. You may not know the person next to you, but that's okay. Just say to them, would you like to come to Jesus? And as they say yes, bring them right here and just join with me and we'll have a prayer together. So in the reverence of the moment, will you stand? Now this will actually mean you have to turn to somebody and breathe out your vocal cords and say something. So would you just turn to them and just say to them, and you may have asked them before, but you can ask them again. Just say, would you like to come to Jesus? And as they say yes, come just join me right here. Would you do that? Come on. Your restaurant will wait. You'll be fine. Just join me, because I believe there's some folks here that, that want that to happen to them. this morning, aren't you? You're not sure you want to do that. I can give you just one more opportunity. I don't want to miss anybody. For you that are followers of Jesus, that's wonderful. That's great. That's it. Come on. 
just going to pause one more time because this is such an important movement that you may have said no because you just this is new to you or you're afraid that you'd be the only one or if you want to change your mind just say to the person next to you this is a free country I can change my mind and and just say I, I, I want to do that and then you can just come join us here so I'm going to I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I'm going to invite you that are making that decision to just pray it after me as this begins the journey and make this come from your heart that's great and these folks out here are going to repeat it with us just to be an encouragement. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I want a new life. So I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. And according to your scripture, that if I do that, you will cleanse me completely. So I believe you're doing that now. So I give you my old life. Take it away. I want to live this new life you've given me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. That's wonderful. So, so I'm going to invite these folks to just stay right where you are. A couple of our folks are going to come up and give you some information and a gift and you came with anybody that way. Now listen, here's I have I have an assignment for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to do. Today, or at least this week, number one, confess to Jesus where your messes are. You're only as sick as your secrets, so get them out. Secondly, find some trusted friends, family, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend you can trust and say, I'm dealing with this stuff. Help me find in the scriptures what I need to be different and how do I do this? What does the scripture say? And if you're having troubles, call the office because we have Bibles and we have people who know the stuff and we'll help you find it. And we want you to find the scriptures. I want you to write them down and say, this is how I'm becoming now. This is my new life. I'm getting rid of this. I'm doing this. And then all week long, find moments to think about the scripture, even memorize it and meditate on it. Think about it because it will begin to change your focus and your mind. Will you do that? Say, yes, Jack, I will. Ready? Thank you. Now let me pray a blessing on you. Now may you leave this place aware of God's love for you. May you find the thrill of his presence. May you let go of your shame and know that he has forgiven. And may you find the exuberance of a new journey. I pray for you that you will discover in the scriptures the truth that will apply to you specifically and set you free. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.